Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So... Turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie, and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment, and welcome back to another episode of Totally 80s. We love hearing from you, so why not take a second to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us your comments and show ideas to podcast at totally80s.com. So today's powerful conversation continues because today's subject, once again, is power ballads. And joining me for part two of this stadium-sized discussion is the king of all things power balladry, the king of the power balladeers himself, Mr. David Coverdale, or Sir David Coverdale, as I prefer. So last time, Sir David, I tapped your expertise since you're the voice of some of the most beloved ballads of not just the 1980s, but of all time. And I had a pretty long list of some of the criteria I had when I was asking at the top of that epic conversation, basically what makes a power ballad? Is it the vocals? I think the big power vocals are, of course. Well, it's all the elements. It's difficult to isolate. I think everything contributes. You know it's a good power ballad if it was in the musical Rock of Ages, which here I go again, I believe is like the <laughs> big <laughs> splashy number before the intermission when like all I do believe pop- I do believe I I introduced the show too, my dear. Yeah. Did did you? Did what's your Yeah, you- I do the uh, welcome to the production the producers and the uh, performers welcome you to it's my voiceover at the That's beginning. You? I never knew uh-huh. that. I swear to god, I swear to god I didn't know that. That's so cool. That's so cool. And then here I go again is, like I said, um, just as also the conflicts are coming to a head right before the end of act one yeah, yeah, yeah. intermission. There's a big number of here I go again, but like a lot of really uh, interestingly, there are no Def Leppard songs in it, even though it's called rock of ages, but well, uh, no, they because there wouldn't, I can't remember the reason there was a reason for it. And Joe and I talked about it. Uh, I can't remember because they jumped on the movie and it was different producers. Yeah. Movie was okay. Movie was okay. I, I never really saw it. I knew Tom Cruise many years ago. I think Tom Cruise and Mary J, who I adore, uh, I think they did some of that stuff or whatever. Yeah. I haven't seen Tom for many years. You know, I did Days of Thunder for him. Wait, what? I did Days of Thunder for Tom Tom Cruise. I had dinner uh, with when I was with Tawny. We had dinner with Tom and I can't, what was his name? The guy he played in Born on the Fourth of July, and Tom was involved with Mimi Rogers at the time. Wow. So we had dinner in a an Indian, an empty Indian restaurant from La Cienega. I don't know even if it's still there, but you know, we talked about. It. I'd love you to do something. So blah blah blah. So it, the the winds were worked wonderfully in. I think eighty nine. I'm not sure he'd made a, a movie, one of his dream movies about racing cars, mm-hmm. with Robert Duvall, an American icon. Days of Thunder. Yeah, that's the one where he met Nicole Kidman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, but he uh, 
he was working with Trevor Horn, who I was a sh- just an immense admirer of his uh, of his gifts, of his talent. So I actually I was in a little break on the Slip of the Tongue tour, and I chartered a private plane to fly down to to LA to do this song with with Trevor. It was a lot of fun. Wow, very cool. But the reason I brought Brock of Ages, and I did not know that fun fact. You know, obviously you have a wonderful speaking voice, but how did you get to be that opening narrator? So what happened, apparently, the producers were reaching out to lots of people from the 80s, having them do reading. So I was sure. And then a lot of them were pissed off when they used me because they were going to use different voices all the time. But we ended up doing a deal with them so they could use it. So it's all over, Japan, London, or whatever. Like I was saying, a litmus test for whether a power ballad is a classic, will stand the test of time, Mm. is if it ended up in the musical Rock of Ages, like Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is, To Be With You by Mr. Big, Sister Kristen by Night Ranger, High Enough by Damn Yankees. All of these are songs that have stood the test of time and are all in that in that musical. I don't know if they all made it into the movie version, but I've seen the musical version like three times uh, in yeah. Los Angeles and New York. So there's that one. But while we're and on the subject of you mentioned Def Leppard and, and I'm talking about other criteria, you. Yes. Where wrote, is she going with this? Well, you wrote a song called Is This Love that could have been sung by Tina Turner. And I have no doubts that she yeah. would have done a great job. Oh. I think something that is a good sign that a power ballad is a real winner is if a diva, a female diva, power singer, diva, pop, soul, R&B singer can do it. I have a couple yeah. examples. Bringing on the Heartbreak, which would be my favorite song by Def Leppard. Oh, that's one of my faves, too. Mariah Carey covered it. Oh, my God, she did. Did you ever she hear did. Celine Dion's Back in Black? <laughs> I got to look that up. Speaking of reviewing the tapes, did she really? Oh, Stop. Don't go there. No, be nice, David. I think she did it in, in her show. I think it's a YouTube thing. I'm also convinced that Carrie Underwood, speaking of American Idol, is a closet metalhead. Oh, no, without a doubt. She just was jamming with uh, guns. Was it last year or early this year? Twice. She's had Axel Rose Joyner on stage once at Stagecoach 2022. And sometime, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. pretty recently this year, she's had Axel Joyner on stage. They did. I think they yeah, did yeah. Sweet Child of Mine. But also, this here's my other evidence that she is uh, a metal person. So American Idol used to have every season something called like the goodbye song. It's like the song they would play when someone would leave, like be voted off. Basically, they would have a song play them off. And it was yeah. a different song every season. And there was one year where it was a Carrie Underwood version of Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. Oh, sweet. Yeah. She No, she's great. Well, the songs, the good songs, Lindsay. The, you know, that's, that's the criteria. It's not necessarily because it's from a, a hair band or a heavy metal band or a rock band or whatever. It's the quality of the song that makes it attractive. Miley Cyrus tears rock songs to shreds. She She's absolutely so, does. Pink ain't too shabby either. Not you know, too She's shabby. got a big rock side to her. I do want to ask anyone who is listening to this, do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and look up one of the multiple clips out there of Carrie Underwood doing what I think is one of the greatest power ballads, non-White Snake power ballads of the 80s, which is I Remember (laughs) You by Skid Row, which is a hard song to sing. It's such a hard... I tried to do it in karaoke. It was a mistake. I cannot do... Darling! Maybe another cocktail or two, perhaps. (laughs) Several, yeah. Don't... I cannot do Skid Row... I cannot do White Snake songs. I definitely cannot do Def Leppard songs. I cannot hit that note in Photograph. And 
I absolutely should not do anything by cheap trick. I've tried to do the flame. One of their big power ballads. Rob, Robin uh, Sander, don't. Well, uh, actually, if you want my love, which is a power ballad by from the '80s by Cheap Trick, is probably my favorite Cheap Trick song. Yeah, that's a that, yeah. I, I've met the trick, uh, the cheaps or the tricks so many times. I love Rick. Uh, we jammed at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was such fun. Uh, wow, Rick really? is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, was the, that the year they got in, finally? Yeah, no, the same. We, I was inducted for Deep Purple Mark Three and Four. The same year. Um, yeah, so, you know, and I'd never met him before. Steve Miller was just adorable. Stevie Van Zandt, I adore. Uh, I met Rob Thomas, who's apparently his wife and him are huge fans. And my wife's a huge fan of Rob Thomas. I think awesome. they're coming to town soon, so it'd be nice to see him again. He said he's the worst selfie taker in the world. <laughs> uh, this, and we did selfies together, and he's fucking right. <laughs> oh man, he doesn't know his angles. Yeah, but that if what is it? If you want my love, it's a, you got it. It's super song. Yeah, but it's it's so interesting. I've never I covered a Leon Russell song called "Help Me Through the Day," uh, which I thought was just beautiful and very early White Snake, uh, and that was a kind of follow up. You know, there's certain things you can't really follow up. We, as I'd said earlier, the song Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City, which we did a very unique slow blues uh, arrangement of it, that took on a life of its own. That was just literally we recorded that because we didn't have another original song. And it became part of the next 45 years or whatever the hell. Well, speaking of cover songs, I'm curious, you know, when I've been talking about all these artists that are maybe outside of the rock genre or like female divas or whatever, yeah. covering these songs, what would be the cover you'd like to see? It does have a White Snake song. It doesn't have to be a power ballad, but, you know, that you'd like to see. I'm going to make you play matchmaker. Pick the song, pick the artist. Well, you know, uh, Anne Wilson could sing anything. She's a super, super singer. Audra May did a version, and I'm not sure if she ever released it, but Warner Chapel sent to me. And it's a kind of very stripped down funk, uh, funk bass of, of Here I Go Again, which is just a super alternate reading, a vision of a different aspect for the song. And I thought that was great. But really, I'm honored when anybody does a White Snake thing. Well, Will Ferrell's a big fan, so he would always try to sneak a White Snake song in his movies. There's one Will Ferrell songs where there's Here I Go Again in multiple different versions. And I've never been able to find who did the alternate slow versions, just like part of the song. But yeah, so I'm honored if anybody feels that they can express themselves through a piece of music I was involved with, without a doubt. That's so cool. It's, it's interesting because even though you've explained what Here I Go Again is about it made me think when yeah. i mentioned home sweet home a very common theme of power ballads of the rock world especially in the 80s is the road song and a lot of people look at yeah Here i go again as a road song. home sweet home is about being on the road wanted dead or alive by bon jovi faithfully by journey if you go back to the 70s beth by kiss you're a walking encyclopedia I'm diminished by your, really, this is, uh, you're going to send me to my iTunes playlists and see if I can find any wow, of these things. That's so cool. But did Whitesnake ever make a video that's kind of like was required then, like the the video where you're like in black and white, pensively staring out a 
tour bus window streaked with rain, missing home, like, you know, the on the road music video. It's a classic formula for MTV in the 80s. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah. You probably but uh, it's did. interesting. Uh, last last year, I um, I reconnected with Marty Kalner, who was the director of the uh, Still of the Night, Here I Go Again, Is This Love, Give Me All Your Love. Um, and I think we did Fool for Your Loving from Slip of the Tongue. A very talented man. And we just... It was like writing songs with a super writing partner. We both had these creative ideas, which made very exciting, very exciting uh, videos, video concepts and stuff, which so you got to remember, we did extraordinarily well out of nowhere, whereas mm -hmm. MTV was just blooming, blossoming and became yeah. like everybody's go to which wherever hotels it spread globally very quickly whatever hotels i went in tokyo or asia australia put the tv on nine times out of ten tawny was doing handstands across the fucking you know jaguars and the fact the jaguars outside my studio as we speak we're donating it to the national automobile museum which is oh going to be God. a lot of fun to do yeah it's such an iconic vehicle uh, next to Elvis's car, man, it doesn't get any better. But yeah, so uh, it's it's fantastic. Then Marty went on to work with Poison, Aerosmith, all of these guys, you know. You know that White Snakes, here I go again, was covered on American Idol this year. I have no idea if this I this year, but I was asked to do American Idol way back when. Uh, I, I just think it's I, I I'm not. I'm not one to judge people on any level now. Oh, my God. Oh, my. No, wait. Call them now. See if the offer still stands. No, we no. That's why I want to manage me. Okay. Well, I mean, I liked Steven Ty I, uh, Tyler when he was a judge for two seasons because I like having the, the rock element on the show. And so there was a guy. I was looking it up. His name was Nate Peck. He's 21, super into rock. He did Lightning Strikes again. And then Luke Bryan, uh, you know, he did a Dawkins song. And then Luke Bryan said um oh yes 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 and Dawkin doesn't get covered on american isle that often but Dawkin and dio rainbow in the dark both got covered uh, this season but luke bryan a judge on american idol asked this kid do you know any white snake and they did a duet of here i go again and the kid knew all the words like luke brought like the the lyrics up on his phone he didn't need to look at lyrics he knew yeah yeah and the reason i brought up the reason when you start talking about martin caldner and the video and the car People still reference that because Katy Perry, judge on American Idol, like threw herself on top of the grand piano pretending it was a Jaguar. Like people still reference that. It's, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's so iconic. Well, they might be able to do that at, at the National Automobile Museum, darling. Is that the one on Fairfax? No, no, in, in Reno. It's uh, an amazing facility. Yeah, that's where, where I live. It's giving something back to the city. Let the record show and then I'll drop it. Since she got a connection at The Voice with Paul <laughs> Merkovich, Blake Shelton is leaving the show after this season. There will be an empty red chair. And if you, you know, want to reunite with Paul, I'm just saying I'd be happy to see on the show. I actually interviewed Blake Shelton once and I asked him who he wanted to have replace him. And he said David Lee Roth. So he's open to having a rocker do it anyway i'm just pointing out that what mr shelton wants and what uh, i have no idea what he wants and, and really <laughs> it's nothing to do with i'm quite happy with what i'm achieving you know without all that stuff it's just for me to ruin somebody's life's dream by being negative or you know it's just 
I've had an experience when I was starting out where an engineer in a demo recording studio was completely unhelpful and it could have stopped me from going forward pursuing music. It was so like devastating the the situation. We just literally found it's amazing, a gift from my mother from the grave. Uh, the tape where I'd had this very uncomfortable encounter with a uh, a very dispirited uh, engineer, but those tapes got me the audition with Deep Purple. So you know that's you know we've got a special project planned for later this year, celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of my uh, uh, joining Deep Purple. Um, I was hoping, and I'm still hoping, to get Glenn Hughes to fly up here and for us to sit down and discuss our memories of that time, because of all people, I'm still in touch with Richie. I love Richie and I totally appreciate that he mentored me in those early days. But Glenn and I really almost have a daily exchange wow. and, and just wish him every success. But it was such, he'd had some ex- success with trapeze at that time. He'd actually made records. I'd never made any records. I mean, I was this kid from the north of England who was supposed to be an art teacher, you know, suddenly. But this tape that we didn't even know we had is going to hopefully inspire people. Well, look what I got from this crappy little tape. So, you know, this might inspire somebody to get off their ass. But to me, to go and judge somebody <laughs> I get it, and yeah. maybe potentially diminish them is just not who I am. My job is to inspire people, to uplift them and encourage them to spread the wings and express themselves. Uh, unless the shit in the nest, those are on my team. I absolutely get it. And I'm sorry to harp on it. I just would love to see David Coverdale on my TV every week. I like putting things out into the universe, but what was the reason for you reuniting with Marty Kallner? Were you working on more stuff? He lives, well, I went shopping at Trankus Market, which I haven't been to for almost 50 years. I lived in Malibu uh, in the early 70s, uh, and we bought a beach house, which wasn't far from that house. That's gone now. But so I went to Trankus Market. My, has it grown? So one of the guys who worked in Trankus Market went, oh, my God, uh, let me give you Marty Kallner's number. He lives up the street. So I said, no, 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 you should clear with Marty if it's okay for you to give me his number. And and we ended up connecting uh, in the most beautiful way. My wife has actually met Marty's wife in the, the same market. You know, she's the one who was the still of the night hair and she did Tawny's hair. Is it true that Paula Abdul had something to do with the Here I Go Again video, like giving Tawny some pointers? No, no. I knew uh, I knew uh, Paula, adore Paula. I still get love sent from her and vice versa. Um, she at that time was doing amazing choreography for Janet Jackson and she was making the transition from the Lakers. You know, Tony had made such an immense impression on the Still of the Night video. It was it was interesting because Claudia Schiffer was supposed to be the original Whitesnake woman. And I got a phone call from Marty's guy and she, her agents outpriced her. This is when she was with Guest Jeans way back in the day before your time. But she was what I thought would be a real beautiful woman to work with in the videos. So I was seeing Tawny. We were kind of dating 
And Marty called me up like a couple of days before uh, the the still of the night video and said, will you stop by? Uh, I want to go over some things with you. And I said, well, actually, I'm going out to dinner with a girlfriend. Can we make it really quick? And he went, absolutely. So he had a house at that time in Beverly Hills. So Tony and I pull up in the white jag, uh, ring the doorbell. He opens the door. His jaw hits the floor and goes, oh, my God, that's her. That's the white snake woman. And I went, no, well, actually, Marty, this is a friend of mine. She's an actress, you know. And, and Tony's going, oh, David, don't be silly. I'd be very happy to be. <laughs> so that's that happened. She'd been in a rat video, I think. She was on a rat cover. Uh, I'd only ever seen her in Bachelor Party. And we met at uh, on Sunset. And where it used to be a super hip restaurant. And she was there with the girlfriend. I was there with John Sykes. I was making, you know, the 87 record. And we just connected very well, exchanged numbers, one of those things, entirely innocent. And, uh, and that's how that grew. I'd say, I'd, I'd say I'm a musician. And I said, what do you do? She said, she looked like a model, obviously. And she said, oh, I'm a working actress, which was <laughs> I thought was very funny because most of the actresses weren't working. I thought it was funny. So That is key. But the whole Paula Abdul thing isn't true, that Paula Abdul didn't teach No, her Paula her. came down. We were shooting. We were shooting all the parts where Tawny does the, the dancing on the, the two jacks. One of the Jags is mine, the white one, as I said, is just outside. The black one was Marty Kalman's. You know, it was literally coincidence that we went, why don't we put the two to uh, But Tawny did that stuff. And Paula said, Tawny was amazing responding. The camera loved her, number one, uh, which is kind of obvious, but the camera adored her. Uh, and she responded incredibly well to music. She had an incredible feeling uh, that she could project physically and emotionally, respond to music. Uh, and Paula said, ah, I can't show her anything, David, you know, which was really cool. So we just hung out, you know. And Paula's sweet. Sweet as a nut. She's a lovely kid. Did you have any idea when you were on the set with those two cars at the time? Did you, did Marty Conlon, the director, did Tawny? Like, obviously, you knew you were on to something, but could you have known that, like I said, years later, I mean, it's been parodied by Bowling for Soup, by Katy Perry on TV. I mean, yeah. the song yeah. would have, I think, been a hit regardless because it was a great song, but like... Well, it was huge on radio. We had a super relationship with radio from the Slide It In album. Radio loved the record. So they were actually waiting for the follow-up record, which, of course, became the 87, eponymous 87 album. But... I was almost $3 million in debt. Geffen tried to pull the plug the morning of the shoot of Still, Still of the Night because they discovered that they didn't have a recoupment policy for videos. And, and I said, well, just a second. So Marty and I had done so much work. He said, what do you want to do? I said, I'll find the money from somewhere. We're going to do it. So, you know, consequently, I own the videos, which is pretty good. Where did you uh, find those bags of cash? As it were. Well, no, I, I just got it. We got it sorted out, you know, but the circumstance was there was no way. There was like 30 people. I'd flown Adrian in from Amsterdam, you know, 
there was people, all the band, which I called at that time the Vid Kids, were all people I liked. Tommy Aldridge, uh, Vivian Campbell, Rudy Starzo, and Adrian, you know. At that time, I couldn't really afford to put a band together. Uh, wow. And then we made the three videos of Still of the Night, Here We Go Again, and Is This Love within 10 days of each other, because I was going out with Motley Crue on the Girls, Girls, Girls tour. And they just, I worked with Marty on editing, and we did the best we could with that kind of stuff. Then you release it on an unsuspecting public, and dear God, it just went nuts. If I'm not mistaken, it was the first music video of any genre from the 1980s to hit some kind of milestone on YouTube. Yeah, I think so. Like yeah, a billion huge. views or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Careless Whispers only just hit that. By way, I'm like two days ago as of when we're taping this, but it was. I like, I like George. I met George oh, yeah. uh, at, at the Irving Azoff party back in the 80s. It was Aww. fascinating. Irving had this crazy, huge house and different style parties around each of the houses. There was like a big dance party on one side with dance music. Then there was all kinds of interesting stuff over here. It was a fun time. It was just really I'd, I'd grown up with Deep Purple with absolute decadence and debauchery. You know, uh, we we assisted Led Zeppelin in writing the book on that. But everyone was married at the time, so it was done very discreetly. Well, well most who, of the people were. What would you say was the more decadent decade, 70s or 80s? Well, we were, it was pretty interesting. So when that happened for me with Whitesnake, it was something I was entirely aware of and able to deal with significantly mm. better than the, the earlier experience. Because I came from playing bars into arenas and stadiums. It was extraordinary. I had no idea how big Deep Purple was. No idea. I just knew there were great players. Because when I joined Deep Purple, my three most played albums that year were Music From My Mind, Stevie Wonder, There's a Riot Going On, Sly and the Family Stone, and Donny Hathaway Live. There wasn't a hard rock record there. I borrowed yeah. two Deep Purple albums before I went down for the audition, and I think I sang one Deep Purple song at my audition, which was a song called Strange Kind of Woman, uh, and that was the only thing. So what is the anniversary stuff that you have planned? For the 50th anniversary of that momentous occasion? Hopefully, my love, we'll speak a little bit later about that, because right now I'm hot to trot on Still Good to Be Bad. Tell me about it. And it is Still Good to Be Bad. Yeah, it's coming it out really in April. Is. It's the first studio album I made consciously uh, with independent labels as opposed to the majors. And it was a very interesting scenario I worked on my farewell tour with a super talented, very gifted uh, Dino Julusic out of uh, Croatia. And he said him and his friends thought it was the best comeback album they'd ever heard. And I well, well, I didn't think I'd been away, but <laughs> I'll take that, you know. And we got classic rock best album, best DVD, best tour. It was amazing for awards. So it was really good to be back because it's kind of the media that ignores what's going on until it's like hits you in the in the face you know oh my god hard rock has never never died you know it's always been there well song related bands you know but yeah. the um 
But that's that's the scenario for me. So we remixed it with our fabulous new team of uh, Professor Tom Gordon. You know, we have a great new from the from when I did the original record. Uh, this is all what we what we do with these. It's like a legacy series of my career, and we remix these things. We always include the original mix, but have it remastered. This is stuff to look at. It's the same house in essence, but we really you know move the furniture around or buy some new drapes or something like that. And I've, you know, featured some great players. And it's the first album I wrote with a guy called Doug Aldridge, an amazingly gifted writer and, and guitar player. It's just electrifying. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure to reconnect with that and to be re uh, representing that to an unsuspecting public. So the stuff on there, we do a, a series called Evolutions which is you hear the basic idea on a cassette, an acoustic guitar, then you hear the next step of where that's going until it reaches its full glory as a butterfly. <laughs> There's a lovely guy called Chris Collier. He'll do all the, the setup mixes for us, and then we, like, add a chest full of medals or, you know, some sonic, sonic stuff. So you're not really retiring, are you, Sir David? No, I can't retire from music. It's oxygen to me. I've got at least three to five years of projects planned. You know, we're also, as soon as we finish this thing, which is planned for to celebrate Purple later this year, uh, we're going to start working on the farewell DVD, farewell album from the last tour. And the band was spectacular. I don't know whether you saw, I had a beautiful woman called Tanya O'Callaghan. I got from Stephen Adler um on base just a breathtakingly beautiful talented woman why i haven't had a fucking woman in white snake before i will never know but we had dino jalusic two keyboard players two guitar players tommy aldridge is the equivalent of six drummers it was and the places the audience it was all very emotional so i think we've captured that on the recording and the video stuff for people who could not make the actual shows. It's going to be a very defining thing. I'm soon to be talking with my band about the idea of a farewell Whitesnake studio album and oh. to invite some former members to participate, to make it a more complete, you know, Adrian perhaps, Doug Aldridge, you know, see if they would want to come in, Michael Devin, you know, all people I adore. And, and, you know, to see see how it would go. But I think rather than just farewell to this current chapter, it's farewell to, you know, a lot of guys, you know, that have been involved. It's going to be, a uh, you know, a, a selection of white snake stuff from the beginning to, to the end. It's, it's pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm definitely – there was talk of me and Jimmy doing some stuff uh, a couple of years back before COVID – and I started to work on some ideas which would easily translate into Whitesnake stuff. I've got Joel coming in soon and see what music he has there, see if it's, you know, these guys are really inspiring to me. I, you know, I'm not interested in trying to do it on my own. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a collaborative band thing, you know. I just, I see the big picture. I want the best for all of them, you know. Amazing. Well, this has been an inspiring conversation. Um, since we're talking power ballads, I do want to really quick mention Paul Murkovich. Nelson's love and affection <laughs> is underrated. Nelson are underrated. Oh, they, got, they got such a bad rap because of the hair or whatever, but they're descendants of Ricky Nelson. Nuff said, 
talent. Rick Nelson, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rick Nelson had a song called Summertime, where, which was very influential on a Deep Purple song, you know. It's every, we're all magpies, you know. Mm. But, yeah, I like Gunnar. They were on Geffen. I'd met them. I didn't meet Paul until years later, you know. But the, one of the guys I worked with actually worked on a Nelson's album. Well, I'm going to I'm going to real quick, real quick. Here are some of the power ballads that I wanted to just give a quick shout out. Close Your Eyes Forever by Ozzy and Lita. Poison. Oh, you. You're not actually testing me. Go on. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to rattle you just them go. off. I'm listening. I'm going to give you some ideas. You said you were, rattle away. You said you were going to go on your iTunes after this. I'm going to give you some suggestions. Scorpions, Wind of Change and Still Loving You. Anything by Journey, really. Poison, but not, although I like every Rose Has a Thorn, I'll go back to uh, I Won't Forget You from the first album. Uh, one of my favorite singers of the era, who's not you, Tom Kiefer, Cinderella, Nobody's Fool, Don't Know What You Got to Oh, Tom's talk. a great singer, yeah. Yeah, Heaven, either the Brian Adams song or the Warrant song. Well, this is both. remarkable. Every day's a fucking school day. Thank you. This is fantastic. I shall take this into the studio with me. And then I'll just very quick. <laughs> okay, you got, you got more. You got more. Love song by Tesla. Love is on the way by Saigon Kick. Faster Pussycat House of Pain. Ballad of Jane. Speaking of Jane's by LA Guns. And then a band that I always make take any opportunity to talk about because they don't get talked about enough. Don't you ever leave me by Hanoi Rocks, one of my favorite bands of all time. Love Hanoi Rocks. Uh, White Snake, you missed White Snake out of all of those. I'm pretty so, sure. How am I supposed to feel about that? That's devastating. The emotionally to continue the work of my dad. I said other daddy. songs that were footnotes oh. to this long conversation. Obviously, here I go again. Is this love ruled this conversation of totally 80s? Kind of had to happen. I mean, you know, it, it would have been a real missed opportunity if I hadn't brought my white snake to the white. <laughs> no, really. I wish I brought one of my cats. It was a moment. It was absolute <laughs> moment. Well, it seems like you're a busy guy. So once again, I want to thank you for taking so much time oh, to talk heart. about your career. But is there anything else you want to? I'm going to let you have the last oh, word. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just going to have lunch and then get under the headphones and get on with the day. What a delight awesome. to meet you and a delight to talk with you. And thank you for taking uh, the time to educate me, actually. Thank you for educating me. I learned so much that I didn't know, and I'm very much looking forward to everything you got going on. It's all going to be in my book, How White Was My Snake. Are you really writing a book? No. No, of course not. I that, I would put that on your. <laughs> but if I did, if I did, it's going to be up. called "How White Was My Snake." I mean, I see it. I see that top in the New York Times bestseller list with a title like that. It, <laughs> writes, it, it writes itself. It writes itself. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me, Nagel and I both. My snake, Nagel and I both. Thank you for joining me for a power hour with thank power you Very nice singer. to meet you, Nagel. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's very shy. He's very nervous. But thank you so much, David. This has been a real treat. My pleasure. God bless you. Take care. A very special thanks to power singer David Coverdale of Whitesnake for joining me for today's Power Hour. And thanks, everybody out there for listening. Remember to give Tolly 80s some love with a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. And I'll catch you next time. This was Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally80s. And please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.